This is Dune Talk, a DuneNewsNet.com production. Join us now for the latest Dune news, reactions, and lively discussions. We're almost there. In a matter of hours, some of us will be watching Dune Part 2 for the first time. I'm super excited and cannot wait to share first reactions with you on the next show. For this Dune Talk, we're covering highlights from the press reactions and also diving into new movie footage. This is Marcus, your friendly editor at DuneNewsNet.com, and I'm here with my fellow co-hosts, Garen and Johnny. Hey everyone, it's Garen. Great to be back. Uh, we're doing a lot of activity right now because it's uh, we're in the red zone, as it were, for Dune Park 2. Um, just really excited about hearing everyone's opinions and all the activity on on social media. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But I am I am going to be one of the last members of the crew to see it. You, but it's, uh, you know that's okay. I'm, I'm still all in. Don't worry. It'll be worth the wait. I'm sure. Um, Johnny Sobchak here again. Thank you all for tuning in. They're coming fast and furious now. Marcus has a. Uh, he's going into overdrive. I don't know how he's doing it, but um, excited to be on another show and really excited because this is the first time that we're going to be able to talk about people watching the movie and what they thought about it, uh, critics and otherwise. So I think it should be a good episode. Dune Movie News. On uh, February 15, uh, following the London premiere of the movie, the social media embargo was lifted and press reactions have hit the internet like a raging sandstorm. And well, it's fair to say that the sentiment is overwhelmingly positive, with high praise all around from diverse crowd of critics and media outlets. In fact, I have yet to find a negative post uh, myself, but uh, Johnny, you're on uh, X uh, Twitter more than me. Have you come across any critical reactions and how are you feeling overall now seeing, uh, seeing everything uh, that's up there? I love you uh, identifying how terminally online I am, Marcus. So thank you for that. <laughs> it's um, true. But it is true, yes. Um, yeah, I agree though, Marcus. I have literally not seen an outright negative tweet. Well, actually, I take that back. The one <laughs> would be, I guess, negative. It sounds like just like very mediocre, like lukewarm. But um, uh, IndieWire's uh, chief critic, David Ehrlich, he didn't like the first movie and didn't seem like he liked this one much more either. So can't win them all. But I think that's literally the only one I have personally seen. Everyone else has been, as you said, pretty universally uh, aligned um, in terms of their positivity, of course, but also just the height of the positivity, I think. Not just, oh, it was great or it was good. It's like, it was amazing. It was phenomenal. It was fantastic. It was a masterpiece, you know, those types of adjectives being thrown around. So um, I think those uh, superlative comments are always what you're hoping for. I remember how I felt when I saw the initial reactions for part one, <laughs> which were positive overall, obviously. We know that it was a well-received film, won six Oscars. That's, you know, that hasn't been forgotten. But I, the reaction was not as positive as this. I think we can all agree on that um, just from what I've seen. Um, I'm excited to read reviews. I'm excited to see uh, more in detail what people think about it. Um, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, all these aggregators, that'll be interesting to see. But um, with what we are already hearing, it's, it's still a lot of great detail and um, some, you know, specific points that I think we're going to be able to talk about here. And um, uh, very promising. It's everything that we hoped it would be from all these descriptions, everything I thought it would be um, when I was tweeting right after the part one premiered that as crazy as, this first movie is and as much as people really seem to like it i just know everyone's going to prefer the second one um and so I, i'm feeling a little vindication there and i think we all 
had that that hope. So um, yeah, I'm excited to go over these a, a little bit more. But there's some definitely things that are standing out based on on these reactions for sure. So I don't, I'm not on the social media as much as Johnny is, but uh, I was comparing what I was uh, capturing the last few days and comparing it to what happened in part one. And, and I do remember there being some, some <clears throat> reticent type comments for part one. I mean, there was, there was some really good stuff they were saying, and then there was some kind of hesitations about how great it would be or how it would be received. And obviously that's all been proven now. Uh, part one is a fantastic film and a huge success. What I'm seeing now is just this tsunami of positivity about part two from, from those that have seen it. Um, <clears throat> now they have to be limited in what they can talk about because there's some issues around some certain characters that I am a little bit concerned about. Nevertheless, I am seeing just a lot of excitement from all different types of, of people who have seen the film and reviewers. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's, I, I was saying this to Marcus earlier. I, I get a little skeptical when all of the comments are so incredibly positive. And Johnny, you've pointed out that there are some, some negatives out there, but when I just see this overwhelming number of positive comments, I'm, I'm just like, wait a minute, what's, is this for real? What's, what's happening there? Um, but you know, uh, people are saying, I think what they can, and they're showing their excitement through their words. And if you read between the lines, it feels like people are truly blown away by this film. And if that's the case, then I'm absolutely thrilled. I will say to your point, Garen, um, yeah, there've been, you know, just the literally one or two comments I've seen. I mean, it is unusual, obviously, when you have so much positivity and we'll probably get more reactions in the coming days as more people see it, maybe on Monday and Tuesday, for example. Um, but you know, sometimes this does that. I mean, I'm thinking about like Oppenheimer, for example, you know, I was someone, believe it or not, as much as I love Christopher Nolan, and as much as I now love Oppenheimer is one of my favorite movies of all time. I was not sold on Oppenheimer. I was not convinced it was going to be a success. I wasn't convinced it was going to be as amazing or as masterful as people expected, maybe from Nolan, especially. Um, but when those initial reactions came out, like the day before the reviews dropped, I was kind of shocked. I was like, wow, they are like talking about this, like best picture material, which again, I didn't expect. Now we all know it's going to win best picture um, and all these other awards, which I never could have really anticipated. So yeah, this is obviously a very different type of film and this is just everything about it. It's hard to compare, but sometimes, yeah, it kind of takes you by surprise, even if you are expecting good things, um, as in this case I was. Um, and one other thing I'll mention in terms of, you know, Sometimes you go in, you see the movie the first time, you're like, you have that initial excitement, obviously, or anticipation. So then, you know, you you feel like, did it live up to the hype? Am I overhyping it? I saw very glowing reactions from two critics in particular, calling it a masterpiece, a triumph, all these other things, how incredible it was. And they saw it a second time before they tweeted. And they said that. And they said when they saw it that second time, mind you, they're critics, so they really don't even have to see it a second time. The fact that they're choosing to go to another press screening shows that they wanted to see it again. Um, and they both said, having seen it a second time, their thoughts literally didn't change. They said actually in both instances for these two, it was better than the first time, which with any great film, in my experience at least, it gets better the more you watch it, the more you think about it, because all the intricacies and detail uh, comes out even, even further. So that is... 
that to me, it gets me even more excited than just some of these other very, you know, you could consider hyperbolic initial reactions from, from other critics. Johnny, I wonder if that's also pointing to the complexity and density of part two. I, I wonder if there's so much going on, there's so much to take in uh, from, the, from the, the relationship, character interactions, but also just the political and, 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 and the war scenes is just so much to take in that you want to go back and see it so you can make total sense of everything and have it all fit together. And you still are intrigued, even though you kind of got an exposure to it in that first screening. So to me, that, that excites me when I hear that, because it shows me that this is a film that, that will continue to deliver with subsequent viewings. Yeah. And I'll, I'll point out just to give these individuals some credit as well. So, uh, Jermaine, uh, Lucier, who does, um, he works for, uh, Gizmodo and IO9, he does film stuff for them. He tweeted. So his initial reaction was that. Villeneuve stuck the landing. He said it was fascinating, terrifying, a character study, glorious, et cetera. Um, set pieces are jaw dropping. Uh, and then he followed that up and said he scheduled that tweet for after he saw it the first time. He had it ready to go. Then he said he saw it a second time. And he said it was even better the second time. Um, just he was left basically like breathless by the amount of detail and resonance and how on every single level it basically worked. Um, so that that was kind of the the first one that I saw. And then the other one, which I'll be talking about a little bit later for her initial reaction, she basically just said, saw it a second time and it was even better than the first time. So without giving uh, more detail, but yeah, I think you're totally onto something, Garrett. I mean, the first one was a lot to take in. And I think as we've seen, even just on social media in the last week or two with people have seen the reissue overseas and in the US, um, it, every, almost every person I saw that went to the reissue said that they thought it was better than the first time they saw it. Uh, whether they saw it in IMAX or not, you know, the first time there's been a lot of realization that it is dense. It is hard to digest, um, you know, even as a book reader. And so I think, yeah, the more time you get to spend with something, especially with this much detail and information, I think you have a better appreciation. Or if it's not as good, if there are certain failings or weaknesses, they become more obvious. Doesn't seem to be the case, hopefully. And I think just the fact that we are getting these, these reactions so early, so more, more than two weeks before the movie comes out. And then also the full written reviews are going to be uh, be hitting um, 21st, so so also about like uh, eight eight days before the the wider premieres. I mean, to my perspective, that just oozes confidence from the studios and the people in, in, involved in, in film that they they know that they've created uh, something something great, and they're they're confident about the directions that they're going to. So um, yeah, let, let's let's go ahead and pick out some uh, some highlights. Uh, Garen, you you can kick off with your your first one. Yeah. So um, one of the reviews on on. X Twitter that caught my attention and, and really resonated with me. Uh, the Epic Film guys tweeted, they said, uh, Austin Butler's portrayal of Fade Rautha in Dune Part 2 will go down in history as one of the most memorable movie villains of all time, a, a legitimately terrifying monster whose presence is felt through the entirety of the film. So not only am I excited about this just from a storytelling standpoint, I, I really am becoming a fast fan of, uh, of Austin Butler. I'm just really not only impressed with his recent performances, but just, just what a class act he is, uh, with all the press, uh, interaction and interviews, uh, just, just really like this guy, but to have him go from playing something like Elvis, which was a masterful performance and a fantastic film to go from a character like that, where we see this vulnerable, vulnerable person, this, this, uh, you know, this legend. Uh, of the music industry, but also vulnerable and manipulated. And it's just heartbreaking 
uh, film and story and performance to the most terrifying villain of all time. I want to believe that's true because if you make out Fade Rautha to be that epically evil, then that's going to balance out the protagonist and, and what's going on with Paul Atreides. And, and, and these two, like we've talked about many times is these two Fade Rautha and Paul Atreides are, are counter to each other. Um, they're, they're balancing out each other, at least for most of the film. I'm, I'm going to not mention that the things may change near the end of part two, but for now, I just am thrilled that if this performance is at such a caliber that this is, that these guys think that this could be one of the most memorable movie villains of all time, then, then I'm, I'm really pleased to know that this is not something that was treated. And I, you know, again, uh, we always, I always tend to bring up Lynch's Dune. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fade Rautha just did not rise to the level of fear and loathing that was necessary that, that I felt when I read the book. But if what I'm gathering through, through reviews and, and tweets like this, I think Austin Butler has brought it to a whole new level. And if he takes this, this just maniacal evil character into the stratosphere, I think that's what's going to make for a really balanced, incredibly dramatic film. Mike Ryan from Uproxx, he also had a reaction. So here's a little bonus reaction. Just, he said, uh, he, all he said was, I was kind of mixed on the first Dune. Dune Part 2 is phenomenal. Up there with the greatest sci-fi movies I've ever seen. That's really all he said. He didn't offer any other details, except one other tweet he added after that. He said, Austin Butler as Fade in this movie is demonic. He is literally channeling a demon from hell. So, I mean, that's that's pretty pretty high praise. And there was another interview. It was a television interview, I think, maybe. Um, I can't remember what outlet or who the interviewer was, but they said that Fade in the film was unlike any character they had really seen in anything, which is, that's pretty high praise. I mean, that's on par with what Garen is talking about in this other uh, reaction. So, yeah, and, and he's been a highlight of these reactions just overall. And that makes me so happy and excited because I remember when his casting news first came out, people were like, who? Like, like, awesome. Like, who is this guy? Like, the guy who's playing Elvis? Like, this guy that's on Nickelodeon and Disney Channel and stuff? Like, what the hell? Um, but I was actually like, because I knew he had been in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He had a very small role, but he had, like stuck out to me. Um, and I was like, I, I don't know, like, I can see it. Like, I, I can give it a chance. And obviously the interpretation they've gone with, with this character, uh, in alignment with, you know, their interpretation overall of the Harkonnens, I think is really interesting and different from what's in the book, of course, and what was in the Lynch film. Um, so I'm just excited for how different it's going to be, but I'm glad you, you chose that one, Garen, because I think that Austin Butler just across the board as his character, but as an actor and very exciting. And uh, I can't wait to see more because they really haven't shown that much of Fade as well. That would also stuck out to me because he's been teased. We've gotten the gladiator stuff a little bit, uh, other individual shots here and there, the duel at the end with Paul. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot of information or other like uh, insights. So I'm really excited that it's still having that much of an impact and we haven't seen or heard all that, really all that much in my opinion. So the uh, first reaction I have is from Huai Tran Bui, who uh, writes for Inverse.com. Um, her reaction, uh, initial tweet was, Doom Part 2 is a triumph, even more immense than the first, if you can believe that, um, but much more intimate. 
Uh, Denis Villeneuve manages to streamline the more alienating second half of the book into a riveting, action-packed epic. Two Towers level mastery of battle sequences. Zendaya is the star. And this is also, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, she saw Dune 2 a second time and loved it even more that time than, than she did initially. So that is super promising. Um, what I loved about this reaction is a couple of things. More immense than the first. Like I said, hard to believe that. <laughs> but uh, again, also knowing the book and how I've been hyping up part two, I'm glad that, that to see that that has landed. Um, but also much more intimate. So and this is a through line I saw with several different reactions so far, which again is like music to my ears, is that it's so epic. There's so much action. It's so well done with that stuff. But the intimacy, the character moments, the slower moments, um, those seem to be intact, but also even better than the first movie and potentially what's even in the book based on a lot of what the stuff uh, that we have to really compare at this point. So that is super exciting. And I like that, you know, there is that juxtaposition that Villeneuve, I think, balances and manages so well. Two towers. Okay. So <laughs> but you really don't have to say much more than that. <clears throat> Lord of the Rings comparisons have been abound since like this movie got greenlit as well. It's, just, it's the Lord of the Rings of science fiction. I think maybe Arthur C. Clarke said that. Yeah. Um, so that, I mean, that tells you a lot, but to, to see that this movie, which we knew, you know, this battle of Pelennor Fields type battle that happens at the end on the plains of Arakeen, you know, you have, you have that image in your mind because it's not in the book. There's no images in the book to pull out. Okay. So we know that there's potential, but how much is Villeneuve going to go into that? Villeneuve is not, for all intents and purposes, an action director, okay? He's not James Cameron up to this point. However, I think I've even said this on the show before, I could see him pulling off an Avatar-style battle at the end of this movie. And I'm saying Avatar because in terms of geography, camera movements, effects and everything, creatures being involved, etc., um, I just, I can see that parallel there. And I love the Avatar movies. In particular, those battles, I think, are incredible at the end of each movie. And for two towers to get the direct comparison and for Villeneuve to be operating like at that peak level of Peter Jackson, James Cameron, because outside of those movies, Lord of the Rings 20 years ago and the two Avatar movies, I can't really think of a memorable, like mind-blowingly executed like battle sequence in a Hollywood movie, at least. Um, obviously, overseas, you know, other, other film industries have their own um, way of doing those. But for... Hollywood, I mean, it's hard to get to that level because it's, I mean, it's just so logistically and technically uh, difficult. So that, to know that that is, seems to have delivered is just really exciting. And then the last comment she said, Zendaya is the star. I have been really hopeful about Zendaya in this movie in terms of screen time, the uh, strengths of Chani as a character. And I'm not talking about physical strength or even uh, internal strength. I'm talking about the character as on the page coming onto the screen. How are they going to handle that, especially as opposed to the book or in contrast to the book? And so, uh, again, this is one little comment here, but I've seen this across several reactions. Zendaya lives up to the hype and actually does a great job in this movie. Pretty much her best film performance, it sounds like, and up there with like what she's done in Euphoria, which is obviously a very different um, character and story. But yeah, I, this was this was probably one of my favorite reactions, just like music to my ears, like every every element of this um, really stood out to me. So I thought that was a really well written um reaction especially given that she saw it again and loved it even more and i like that mention of also the like more intimate so even though we're going to have all that amazing action and huge uh, battle scenes and you know like really cinematic uh, 
experiences. Like there's also still going to be that, that time with, with the characters that, you know, we, we, we see that in the trailers as well, but it's good to see that, that that's, uh, that's coming through. Yeah. I, as, as you were talking, Johnny, some of the thoughts about that review, um, comparing it to, to two towers. I remember when two towers came out and it really was kind of just this whole new amped up experience in this middle earth that we were now exposed to. Um, and so drawing the comparisons, uh, being able to orchestrate epic battle war scenes is one thing in a world like middle earth where, you know, there aren't ornithopters and aren't things really <laughs> flying around that much yeah. it's more. It's more of, there's a little bit more connection to reality, a little bit than, than we have on Arrakis, right? Because we have yeah. things that are not in our sphere of experience. So to be able to execute that level of grandiose, epic war movie type experiences, but then at the same time, balancing that with those, those emotional, quiet, pensive moments between our characters. I mean, it, 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 it reminds me of things like Lawrence of Arabia or Braveheart. Some of these films where we really do have moments to truly deeply care about our characters. And then when they enter the fray of battle, then we're re our, the stakes are so high. We're, we're, we're cued in like never before, because we now really care about these characters. So again, I'm, I'm not surprised, uh, Villeneuve is a master just knowing that, uh, this reviewer you talked about that she's identifying these key elements that make for a, a balanced dramatic epic war movie for, for all intents and purposes, just, it just happens to be in a science fiction universe, then, then I'm really excited about that combination of characteristics in the film. One of the reactions I especially enjoyed was from uh, Max Ivry, and uh, he's the author of A Masterpiece in Disarray, David Lynch's Dune, An Oral History. But that's really the definitive book covering everything to do with the 1984 Dune movie. And uh, here were two of his posts. Be being a mezzo-mezzo on Dune part one, I was thrilled Dune Part 2 generally sticks to landing by amplifying Herbert's themes on the dangers of charismatic leaders uh, slash fanaticism. A bold bl blockbuster. Zendaya's Chani in particular is radically reimagined. History will call her badass. And uh, he continued with um, a second tweet. Being something of an authority on the subject, I'm happy to say two truths. Dune Part 2 is fantastic in, a, in many ways truer to Herbert's intent, yet does not diminish Lynch's Dune at all. The 84 film and Villeneuve duet are a wonderful contrast. Wildly wonderful different takes. So we've we've had the pleasure of interviewing Max on a past uh, Dune Talk show, and he's a longtime fan of, um, of of Dune. He certainly knows his stuff. And this reaction is really encouraged, encouraging to me, especially uh, because he had those criticisms about uh, Dune Part One, and he mentioned a couple of things on the episode he was on with, with us. So so it's great to see that um, you know even though he maybe had that social reaction to the to the first movie, that he's really been been taken with the with the second movie. And I especially love his comment about how the, the movie generally sticks to landing by amplifying Herbert's themes on the dangers of charismatic leaders, because this ties in exactly to my hopes at the end of the last discussion that, that we had on the previous show. Even if there are changes to the story that I don't prefer, uh, if at the end of the movie, I feel that the movie has stayed faithful to the core themes and, and messages of the book and even made them maybe more accessible to wider audiences, that would be a, a huge win for me. I'll say real quick to, to that point in particular. <clears throat> Yeah, I've been really excited by a lot of the comments relating specifically to uh, religion and politics, <laughs> which typically those words are like, oh, we should not be talking about that. But this is Dune. So, of course, we're talking about that. 
But specifically, I saw a reaction from some, I believe it was some YouTubers. They really liked the movie. They said it was better than the first one, which they were also a little bit mixed on. And I, that's, again, a recurring theme. One of the initial things they said was like, big Hollywood like blockbuster movies do not deal with religion or politics like this movie does. And that was like, again, music to my ears. Um, I mean, the only other big movie, like surely talking about like political machinations and things like that would be like Oppenheimer, like recently. There are other movies that have dabbled in that a little bit more, I think, in the last several years, which is always great to see. I mean, James Cameron, for example, so who, you know, he, he's not subtle in his, you know, political, uh, you know, motifs and things like that, which is great. And Avatar does that, obviously. Um, seen other movies like The Batman, things like that. But Dune is so ingrained into those institutions. I think that you really, if you weren't satisfied with part one, you got to be thinking, okay, part two really has to achieve this and dig into it like in a real way. Um, and I was never really worried about that. I, I just assumed that he would, um, Villeneuve, uh, especially writing the, the, the screenplay in such a prominent way this time. That's not something you're really getting in the marketing. That's not really something you're, they're really going to uh, focus on in trailers or in even interviews and things like that. So, but Dune fans, we know, like, if you know the story where it's going, like, you know, that's going to have to come up and that's going to have to be explored. And it sounds like they really do um, nail that in particular. And again, that's just one of the really exciting things that, uh, you know, I'm really most looking forward to, especially now that I'm rereading the book and a lot of these details and Frank Herbert's um, thoughts are just really like fresh in my mind. I, I think it's interesting. The comment about um, Lynch's Dune and Villeneuve's Dune are, are kind of companions to each other, whatever the comment was. I, I find that an interesting statement because is it possible, this is all speculation, is it possible that Lynch was more formally explicit to some of the things in the book, but maybe missed some of the crucial themes and, and messages, uh, perhaps that Frank Herbert was, was really trying to convey, uh, through, through the first Dune book. So it, that's a really interesting statement to me. You know, I, I may be a little more apprehens apprehensive than you, uh, Marcus, because I, I feel like Villeneuve will be true to those themes that Frank Herbert esp espoused. Some of the changes that may happen, I, I just am a little nervous of my reaction to that. I'm, I'm a little nervous to maybe not see what I what I expect to see on the screen. So I, I have a little more uh, uh, anxiety about that maybe than you do, but I, I am glad and, and excited to hear that the whole focus of the themes and the central message of who Paul Atreides is and, and what we're supposed to learn from that character uh, will come through because Villeneuve is trying to be true to Frank Herbert. And I, I have the utmost respect for that. Um, that that's an honor that I, I would expect from, from a, a filmmaker of his caliber, but I, I do have some, some anxiety around it. The one that I want to talk about, uh, is a recent uh, tweet from Jake Hamilton, uh, at Jake's takes. Uh, he says, when Lord of the Rings ended in, in 2003, I was worried we'd never have a movie experience like that again. I was wrong. We now have Dune. Part two isn't just bigger and better than part one in every way. It cements the series as one of the greatest cinematic experiences ever. Okay. I don't know how you can state anything more positive than that about a, an epic science fiction film like this, that's uh, a, a pretty difficult history. But, um, we talked a little bit about a comparison to two towers. If I could just compare it to the whole Lord of the Rings trilogy, when those films all came out, uh, in the early two thousands, that, that time period, 
it was, it was a cinematic experience where I remember sitting there going, am I really seeing this? Like my brain almost couldn't process what I was seeing. Cause again, like Dune, I had read Lord of the Rings as a teenager. Not sure I really understood it, but I do remember the epic battle sequences in the, in the books. And so, in fact, I even remember talking with my friends in junior high or whenever it was saying one day you guys will have the cinema technology to put this on screen and not to be, not just be some cartoon. And, and I remember some of my friends saying, well, maybe one day, but you know, cause it's like just thousands and thousands of, you know, people fighting and creatures fighting. And how do you, how do you put that on screen and make it decipher, decipherable and understandable, you know? Well, so to compare that to this film and to part one and part two as a whole, and to say, this will go down as one of the greatest cinematic experiences ever. I, I just, I just hope that I resonate exactly with Jake Hamilton in terms of what I expect, because what I love about this is like you were saying, Johnny Dune and Lord of the Rings really are the seminal, uh, fantasy and science fiction stories, uh, in our in our culture and in our global culture, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And so to now have these film experiences that start to touch and reach that level of, of experience that people love about these books that are reread over and over and over. I mean, you go into a bookstore and there's still like a whole wall that's Lord of the Rings still, <laughs> you know, and, and, and Dune is still, I, I understand the, the number one science fiction, uh, bookseller uh, in sales uh, in the world. So and now have these film experiences that match that I think is, is really the way it should be. But, you know, he does also, Jake does say part two, isn't just better and bigger uh, than part one. Uh, it, it actually is now into the realm of the greatest, one of the greatest cinematic experiences ever. So, I mean, that's pretty strong stuff. I believe it's possible because of how much I enjoyed part one. The level of attention to detail in character development and emotion and drama that Villeneuve did in part one, if now you just put that on steroids, uh, which is what's happening here, then I believe that Jake Hamilton could be right. I love Lord of the Rings, but part of my experience is that I didn't really grow up. I, I didn't live through them coming out. I was alive, but, but I was not keeping up with Lord of the Rings, going to the theater when I was you walking. I was, believe it or not, five or oh, six yes. years old. Um, but uh, yeah, it's so I that is for me is something where like, ah, man, I wish I almost wish I had been born like just a few years earlier, just so I could have had that. The Dark Knight trilogy is like my closest thing to like a Star Wars or like Lord of the Rings for a lot of people. But uh, even though they're very different. But yeah, I mean, you have those in your mind, Lord of the Rings for me, because I'm so familiar with the films, at least I've not read the books. I love those movies so much and they are like the standard for epic filmmaking at, in any era. I mean, we're talking about in the history of, of film um, and it, because part of it is the source material. It's so strong on the page, uh, has so much that you can mine from, uh, for, for cinema and dude, I feel it's like anti-cinema in a lot of ways in terms of like, it should not work at any level. That's why to me that what Vildov is doing just is so mind-blowing and hard hard to wrap my my brain around it's so different but it's like Villeneuve is like the Peter Jackson for this thing like he he has the perfect understanding of it he has the perfect 
capabilities to to adapt it. And so I've I've strongly believed since they really got uh, him attached to it that this could be on that that par uh, with Lord of the Rings. And it's uh, it's hard for I think if you have not read the book just jump into the movie it is going to be harder for you to really uh, be attached and understand everything that's going on if you do get into the movie though if you you know embrace it and watch it and if you've watched it several times maybe you read the book since the movie came out you're going to be so much more well equipped i think for part two um and i think that that just gives you such an advantage as a filmmaker because you know and he said that himself kind of explicitly multiple times now he knows that okay that part is done i can just go bananas with part two in every uh, area and so i think that's kind of a lot of these reactions but jake's in particular because with the lord of the rings comparison i think that's kind of what we're seeing fellowship i mean it's incredible it's a masterpiece <laughs> the scale everything about the world building it's amazing but with, in terms of action and battles and stuff you don't you really get that until two towers and return of the king and so i think that's where some of that comparison becomes even more apparent because those two movies on the latter end of the trilogy it's not like something you've really seen before. Uh, you know, I just said that with that prior reaction I was pointing out. Um, and so I think that makes the comparison a little bit more evident because it's the scale, it's the spectacle um, that we didn't quite get in part one in the same way, in the same way you don't really get it in fellowship. And so I think we're seeing right. kind of the way it's growing in people's minds, that particular comparison. Um, so again, I, I mean, I've already said my piece and how excited I am about that particular, but I think that that's a great, um comment from from jake there yeah and garen as, as you were saying like i i don't think you can get any any more positive uh, than that you know like i i'm i know that i'm going to go in the, in the movie and and i i can't imagine like coming out of the movie and like giving it you know like perfect score because i think that, that like as someone who who knows the book well and like uh, who who will like know the themes very well and um you know i'm sure that i will have some criticisms like uh, you, you know on, on certain certain aspects but, you know, based on what these reactions, you know, I can imagine like coming out of the, the cinema, like really enthusiastic uh, like that. So, so just hearing these and like I've heard a couple more and along the same veins is, you know, this is perfect, you know, done. You know? Uh, so, yeah, like, uh, if, if, if I'm coming out of the, the cinema that, that, that positive, then, uh, then this has been a success. You guys, what I'm really most excited about, um, and again, I realize I'll see it a week after you guys just have to mention it. <laughs> I'm, what I'm excited about is walking out of the theater and feeling the buzz. Everyone's outside the theater talking, and and that's what happened in part one, at least in the IMAX theater I went to. People literally stood around for like 30 minutes all talking about the film, you know. But what I'm excited about or looking forward to is everyone walks out, there's all that buzz, everyone's talking, and everyone literally cannot wait to go see it again. <laughs> that's what I experienced as a kid going to Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. And that's what happened with Lord of the Rings films. That, that doesn't often happen when you come out of a film that, that requires the audience to do work and to understand and to stay with the story. But yet the, the experience is, it takes you so far out of your, your mundane experience from day to day that you're like, I cannot wait to go back to Arrakis. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And I, I, I think from the indications of what we're talking about today, you guys, I think it's going to happen. Yeah, Gary, I, I remember, I think it was, it was opening night, I think, or at least opening weekend, um, seeing part one. And I do remember, yeah, the, how good it felt <laughs> walking out of there and just 
Because during the movie, again, it's such a different movie from a Star Wars or a Lord of the Rings even in that regard, especially part one. Um, so walking out, like it's during the movie, it's not like a, you're watching Avengers. Like it's not like people are jumping up and down and like, like screaming in delight. Like it's such a moody, dark, twisted, like experience and serious. And it asks so much of you. So it's just like kind of a dead silent most of the movie, right? Except for some moments of humor, maybe energy and the vibe of walking out was just people talking about like how much they liked it and how cool it was and different and people taking pictures with the poster and just, you know, the the energy was just so good. And if the energy jumped from in terms of critics has jumped this much from part one, I'm just imagining and, and getting excited, hopefully, about how people will react to part two, walking out of the theater, opening night, opening weekend. I mentioned before the show how many times I plan on seeing it opening weekend. Part of that is because I just love the energy of an opening weekend. If you have a good audience, if you're in a good theater, it's a really tough experience to beat. I love that. And I'm just really excited to see how people who probably don't know what's hitting them, <laughs> what, you know, how they're going to react. Um, so that, that's a big draw for me and, and part of the excitement. This is the first one I read, I think, as a matter of fact. And this is from a mutual of mine on Twitter. Oh. Someone who follows me and I follow them, for those of you who aren't familiar with that terminology. He uh, came right out and I knew part of, I didn't realize he had seen it. He had not alluded to seeing it, uh, had not mentioned anything to me. And I knew he was not a huge fan of the first one. So I was like, I'm a little, you know, I, I wasn't knowing what to expect when he finally did get to catch it. Um, but it was the first one I saw, to my surprise, and it said, Dune Part 2 is a masterpiece. Maybe one of the best space films ever. Besides being the most visually impressive movie I've seen, the most visually impressive movie I've seen, an uh, assault on all the senses. It's a it's a riveting political thriller and character study. The cast is great, but Rebecca Ferguson and Austin Butler steal it. Then goes on to say, every aspect is perfection. The score, cinematography, makeup, costumes, production design, sound, VFX are all at the very top of their craft. Timothy Chalamet, this particular... Um, critic and and uh reviewer carl de los santos he's also not uh, as far as uh, i've seen him comment he's like not like always talking about you know chalamet or like really pointing out particular actors and, and kind of comparing their roles or performances but he said timothy chalamet gives his best performance since call me by your name uh and zendaya cements her movie star status 10 out of 10 no notes and the final comment was, Dune Part 2 is an Empire Strikes Back or the Return of the King level event. A classic in the making that'll probably inspire the next generation of sci-fi and fantasy films. Denis Villeneuve continues his unblemished filmography. Whoa, okay. So that, that is praise upon praise upon praise. Again, I was shocked to see this reaction from, from Carl in particular. And one of the initial replies said, is it better than, than the first part? And again, like I said, he, he told them, I'm actually not a huge fan of Part 1 which is why I was completely, you know, surprised that I loved this movie so much. But I just felt like this reaction in particular, especially now saying at the end of the show, pretty much encompasses every other great highlight or superlative that we've discussed so far. And this was the first one I saw go up. This was the first one because I was going through on the timeline. And this was up before anyone else's was. Uh, clearly, he felt very strongly about it and has, you know, all these different comparisons. But I think, you know, I don't have to say too much about this. To see this is the first thing I was like, oh my God, like, okay, we're, we're good. We're like, we're, I, I read the others, of course, we've been talking about him, but I felt confident with his particular taste and knowing him and his thoughts on a lot of different films and filmmakers. I was like, wow, that is very high, high praise 
not just because of the words, but who it's coming from and what we're talking about. And so everything from each individual, uh, you know, department and, and uh, craft being perfection and talking about how it's so visually impressive, but the highlight of it being a riveting political thriller, which again, I've talked about how I really want those elements to really stand out. I mean, character study, I would imagine for Chalamet as, as Paul, also Zendaya as Chani, um, you know, Lady Jessica, he points out Rebecca Ferguson and Austin Butler, like kind of stealing the show, um, which we haven't talked about Rebecca Ferguson up to this point so much, but we'll t- touch on her a little bit later. And then Austin Butler, there's been a lot of praise for him in particular and just uh, as fade in his involvement in the film. And then again, uh, that last comment about comparing it to Empire Strikes Back, The Return of the King uh, as a cinematic event. And something that could really inspire, you know, basically other films. And I saw this in, uh, from a few different reactions, basically referring to the film as uh, like revolutionary in some ways in terms of effects and, you know, storytelling, what, what they're willing to dive into and kind of explore and talk about. Again, even as someone who's read the books <laughs> multiple times, loves the first movie, loves Denis Villeneuve, loves all these different things. It should be the perfect movie. I am so impressed <laughs> with this breakdown. Based on everything we've heard, I, I can leave that to, to read through. I think what 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 we're going to see see now on uh, on on screen, I think it's definitely going to set the tone for uh, for the decades to, to come. Uh, at least I, I hope that I'll be able, be able to say that myself. <laughs> um, the the last uh, reaction that that I'll I'll pick out for now is from uh, Diego Andaluz. He's from uh, discussing film and connected with various other associations and media outlets. So he said, uh, Dune Part 2 is a monumental cinematic achievement, greater than Part 1 on narrative, technical, and thematic level. Villeneuve delivers with a grander ambition aided by an extraordinary, morally complex performance from Timothy Chalamet, the first must-see blockbuster of the year. So to me, this reaction feels representative to you know, what we've already talked about and what we've seen um, from the, uh, the film critic community overall. Uh, basically, people who are maybe, they're maybe familiar with, with Dune source material, maybe not. But these are people who watch tons of movies and appreciate great cinema. And um, I also love the comment about a morally complex performance from Timothy Chalamet. Uh, this is going to be, you know, the crucial element to the story. And it's ex- exciting to have so many people who uh, believe that he's pulled it off. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited about that morally complex part of, uh, of Timothy's performance. Um, because then that, once again, we're, we're, we're going back to being true and honorable to Frank Herbert's message. See that complexity of character evolvement, uh, being performed by someone like Timothy. Uh, he's that good. He, he really, he just has that, um, gravitas on screen. And not only that, you guys, but all the indicators of, you know, Dune Messiah being a, a real possibility, if not a foregone conclusion, um, having that complex character being able to, to then, uh, move into the third film in what Denis calls his trilogy, his Dune trilogy, if, if that ends up happening. And, and, and again, this is why Villeneuve is such a, is such a genius. He knew that you could not pull this off without someone like Timothy Chalamet. He knew that from the very beginning, he's, he made comments about that and, and he knew what we didn't know then. And that is that the complexity and the, the, the level of ability that would take to, to give Paul Atreides the justice that Frank Herbert would want is, is needed by someone like Timothy Chalamet and and we've got it. You you know, guys, one one thing that I feel so vindicated about is like back when, 
before Dune Part One came out, you know, and everybody was so worried about, oh, we're, we're not going to get Part Two, you know, it's going to like flop or whatever. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, like there was like just, just that constant negativity of, about, yeah. you know, it's not going to happen, you know, like uh, Dune is, is cursed or, or, or whatever. And I remember at the time, I was the whole time like, I was 100% sure we were going to get Dune Part Two. And this was like way before <laughs> the movie came out. And, and you know, it, it happened as expected. Like the movie was, was, was greenlit right after the, the US premiere. But I love how now, like uh, with Dune Part Two, we're already talking, you know, like Dune Messiah is a foregone conclusion. Everybody is talking <laughs> like that, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's so funny, man, uh, Marcus. So, in retrospect, like it's, I mean, I was confident as well that Part Two was going to happen just because I knew Part One was going to be great and I felt people would respond to it. Um, but now, like, it's so funny though, and I haven't said this like out loud or really talked to anyone, but it's kind of like hilarious that. It almost seems like Villeneuve, like Frank Herbert, was using Dune as like a backdoor to Greenlight and do like a Dune Messiah movie. Because he was talking about Dune Messiah during the promo tour for part one, before part two was even Greenlight. Um, now, he has come out and said in just the last like week or two, I think, he basically, he didn't want to come out and seem, he didn't want to make, uh, he didn't want to make uh, things seem a certain way. But he basically knew that part two was going to happen. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens, but Dune Messiah, I think is safe to say it's, it's happening. Well, hindsight's always 2020, right? I mean, I, I lived through Lynch's Dune and the response of the audiences and the critics back in 84. And so there was a little bit of apprehension inside of me when part one was, was, was going to be released that, oh man, is this, is this <laughs> the unfilmable novel you know is this can this really just not not like a curse because i don't believe in that but it's like <laughs> is there really something in the universe working against this film coming coming to full to have audiences worldwide embrace the story that i love so much okay so the the last um uh, bit of news that we're going to touch on for for this show is that there was actually one more uh, clip from from the movie that was uh, released and it was this was shown on on the rain and it's uh, basically a um, pretty quiet conversation where it's just uh, Paul and, and Jessica they're they're in the siege uh, it's probably like early on when when they they arrive in the in the siege and they're getting to to experience uh, the, the friendly way of life and it's just uh, Paul and Jessica they, they they're they're talking to each other and uh Jessica's talking about uh, becoming the reverend mother so obviously it's been decided you know what what her uh, her fate is uh, i guess and uh Paul's uh, like trying to understand more about you know what what that means and uh Jessica is saying, you know, it can vary from, from, from culture to culture. And he's asking, you know, is, is it dangerous? And the, the final line is from, from, from Jessica is, is saying that no, no, no man could, uh, could survive. Uh, but yeah, like, like I, I really like this clip uh, as a whole, because I think that goes back to some of those uh, critic comments that we are going to, it's going to be a more intimate film. We are going to get more of these, these moments with, with Paul and, and, and Jessica and Paul and, and Shawnee, of course. So yeah, just, just love to see it. What, what were your guys' uh, thoughts on this one? Uh, I'll just say real quick that <clears throat> I like was salivating watching this thing, <laughs> which seems weird because it's like, it was literally like 25 seconds and it was uh, one shot of Jessica, one shot of Paul, then back to Jessica. And that was pretty much it. But that just goes to show <clears throat> how good this, this damn movie is going to be because especially if you're a fan of the book, uh, but I think the way this is written and staged and everything, people are going to be like, really tuned in and on the edge of their seat, like wondering what the hell is going to happen or what they're talking about, which obviously will have some context on either side of this particular clip. Um, 
But yeah, this is not dialogue that's like in the book, you know, necessarily. It's not word for word or anything like that. But it just so quickly and readily makes apparent these these ideas, the concept that this quick little line here and there, what's happening in Jessica's head at that moment, what's happening in Paul's head. He recognizes what's going on in her head. Just all these different things that you would never think could translate well from what's on the page because it's so intricate the way Herbert writes it and everything. Um, but man, I was loving the, the what, what they're doing here. And to me, I, again, that's something I haven't really said or commented on yet, but Villeneuve as a screenwriter, <clears throat> someone who's adapting this material, he's knocking it out of the park. And again, he had, a, a, of course, a contribution on part one, but he was working with two writers. Now he's working with just one. Um, and I, I would imagine has even more leeway and uh, control knowing how part one performed. And I just feel like he has such a good grasp. And this scene is just a, a very quick taste of that. Um, and with John Spates as the co-writer, of course. Um, but yeah, this is going to be some good stuff. And the sequence they're talking about or building up to, it's going to be special. I can already tell that. Uh, but I, I think one thing I'll say uh, is one particular thing that I loved was that like her initial response to what Paul was saying, then the, the shot of him and him saying, you're scared. <laughs> like that is so, because you can tell she's scared just by looking at her, the way she's talking, especially if you've seen part one and are familiar with her character. That's not how she typically acts. Like she seems like she's in trouble, basically. Um, and that's very unusual because she's so like powerful as a figure in this universe. Uh, and Paul just being able to read that and really excited to see how their relationship grows and develops in part two, because it was definitely a focal point of part one that I enjoyed. I thought it was brilliant screenwriting. I, I realized it was only 25 seconds, but it was brilliant screenwriting to take concepts that I think uh, Frank Herbert used at least a number of paragraphs or pages to describe in terms of, of what Jessica's uh, about to do, which I won't spoil it, but I thought it was just perfectly uh, curated sentences to be able to communicate something extremely high stakes is about to happen here. And then your comment, Johnny, about Paul identifying and acknowledging her fear um, shows the intimacy of, of mother and son. Um, I love how quiet the scene is. You just see, you see some Premen kind of going in the background and it's obviously, and it's, and it's just sort of a quiet moment. Um, I love that because those, those sequences are as important to me as the battle sequences, uh, because of the character development. Um, but then the way it kind of hits on that note of, yeah, but it's fatal to men. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. kind of, punch of like, oh yeah, you know, mom, are you scared to do this? And well, yeah, cause I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And then the punch of, you know, uh, it's fatal to men, which is going to play in a little later. So I just thought it was, I mean, to, to combine concepts and ideas that take paragraphs or pages down into 25 seconds, that is brilliant screenwriting. Like, I, I don't know if we'll get that scene or not, but like in one of the interviews, um, Rebecca Ferguson teased that like there, there's more of a, a relationship between uh, Stilgar and, and Jessica. We don't know like, you know, like what, what aspect that they'll be referring to, but we know, we know that we've seen in, in the trailers where, um, where uh, Stilgar is, is saying, you know, I believe, and it seems like he's having a conversation with, with, with Jessica and Jessica's asking, you know, you know, do you believe my, my son and so on. Um, but anyway, like I'm thinking back to, to the book, like that there's also like a conversation early on when, 
you know, after the fight, fight with Jamas and Silger and Jessica are having a conversation about, you know, what her role is going to be. And, you know, they're, they're, they're weighing some, you know, really important okay. options. And I'm wondering if that happens uh, in the movie. And then, this, of course, decided, you know, she's going to become the reverend mother. And then we have this, uh, this conversation with, with, with Paul and Jessica really concerned. And also, uh, I, I think that's going to be like, hopefully more readily apparent in, in this uh, adaptation that, uh, you know, Jessica knows she's, she's pregnant, obviously. And that's like something that that's already mentioned early in the film, as we, as we've heard from the people who, who saw the first 10 minutes, like ages, ages ago. Uh, so I wonder if that's already going to be playing into concerns that, you know, Jessica is already taking cons, you know, like this is already dangerous to me, but like, I have a child in me, like, at least I, I hope that there, there is some reflection on that. Yeah. We probably should talk more about that. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> So I think that's, uh, that's probably like a good, good conclusion for, um, for today. But, uh, Garen, I do want to ask, uh, you, you, you one, one thing, cause like you're, you're going to see the movie a bit uh, later than, than us. So you probably won't, won't be on the next couple of shows. Yep. Um, but like, uh, thinking of the discussion we had in our last episode where we were talking about, you know, some, I, I would say in my opinion, valid concerns about how, um, uh, some of the things that we we've heard are going to happen into the movie. Of course, we haven't seen the movie yet as of, uh, th this show. But now that we have all these um, positivity, uh, basically a wave of positivity on social media, does this reassure you that we're we're getting that strong conclusion to the to the first book as an adaptation? Well, I'm I'm hesitant to respond to this because it's going to make it seem like I'm an elitist or something, and I don't I don't mean it that way. I, I'm older than you guys, and I'm a lifelong fan of Dune. So, yeah, yes, I'm excited that the masses and and even even the, the well-versed and well-experienced reviewers are giving it, you know, monumental reviews. Like I, I'm super excited about that. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's not necessarily, uh, assuaging my concerns about some of these changes that Villeneuve is making. And, and, and I, I need to not get hyper-focused on that because I don't want it to, to ruin my experience. I, I don't even think if I tried to be concerned about it sitting there in an IMAX theater watching part two, it's like my dream won't even be able to process my concerns because I'll be in the movie. I'll be in the experience because Villeneuve is that good. But, but I still am a little worried, uh, like we talked about in our, in our previous uh, episode, Marcus, that these changes will cause kind of a visceral reaction to me like, wait, no, that's, that's not, you know. Oh, um, <laughs> but again, I have to keep going back to what is the, what is the, the theme? What is the message? What is the tone? What was Frank Herbert trying to convey? Because this book was written in 1965, you guys, it's a whole new world now. So you have to adapt. What better person to adapt than someone like Denis Villeneuve, right? But is it gonna, is it gonna confirm or is it going to diminish my concerns? I, I, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Gary and I, I will say, because next time I see you, I'm going to have seen the movie. <laughs> and you will probably have seen the movie, I would imagine. Um, I, yeah, I, I hear where you're coming from, for sure. Hopefully, you will love it. <laughs> and, even, and even if you love it, you may have issues or, or uh, disagreement, maybe, with other feelings. But um, either way, I'm excited to hear your, your thoughts. Because, yeah, you are definitely, like, the guy. Like, you, you have... You've lived through the Lynch version. You have read the book as a child. Like, yeah, I, I don't have that experience. So I'm excited to hear like what you make of it all, you know, 
Okay, guys. Yeah, I'm getting getting so so excited just like uh, thinking about uh, all this. You know, like just just about to, to to see the movie. It's it's so so soon. I can I can feel the excitement. You know, as as I walk into the to the cinema and experience like two hours and, and forty five minutes of of doing part two. Uh, so yeah, what what you can expect is our next episode is going to be our first reactions to having seen the full movie. So um, yeah, you'll you'll have uh, several on there, and we'll be we'll be going. Uh, in depth into our our reactions like the first one we will keep it spoiler free because we we know that some of you won't have seen the movie yet so we'll hopefully get you hyped up yourselves for uh for for our highlight highlights what what we thought and um, and all of that so um yeah look look forward to that uh, for now let's go ahead and sign off thanks everyone again for joining us uh johnny Sobchak here you can find me on social media at johnny Sobchak. <laughs> Like we're like this is it. Like this <laughs> next time I'm on here, I'll have seen the movie. It's hard to believe because it's been such a long road. Um, I remember when Marcus first reached out to me about partaking in this wild experiment um, and project, and it's been such a fun ride. And I've really appreciated all the support. So um, thank you again for tuning in, and uh, it's happening. So get excited and uh, ready to dig into it all together. Hey, thanks. It's Garen. Uh, appreciate Marcus and, and all of his uh, flawless uh, uh, preparation and, and or- orchestration of this. And so good to be with you again, Johnny. I, I love all of your, your comments and, and percep- uh, perspectives. Um, yeah, and I, I really, I'm going to be the one guy in the crew who, who uh, at least I will be one of a few that will not have seen it. Um, but I, I really do want to assure everyone I'm, I'm not going to call Marcus and Johnny and have them, have, have them review or think I really am going to experience it firsthand, uh, in the theater because I, I want to have that same initial experience, just like all of you will. Um, but I am truly excited. Uh, just, just have a couple of little minor concerns. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So this is, uh, Marcus Gabriel. Uh, you can find me at Marcus writing and at doonewsnet.com uh, writing stuff. Um, so yeah, look forward to my first reactions on uh, on social media as, as well, uh, coming up very soon. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think there's, there's much else like I can say. You're, you're just not going to want to miss our, our upcoming uh, uh, Do Talk shows. Until then, take care. We hope you've enjoyed Dune Talk. Remember to like, subscribe, and turn on notifications so you know when the next episode drops. Stay tuned to DuneNewsNet.com and add us to your social feeds. Be the first to hear breaking news and reviews.